Hello and welcome. It's been a while since I've been able to talk to all of you, but this is Euphoria. But this, the twist is that it's also Euphoria and Worlds, um, where, of course, it is always available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple's podcasts, uh, and SoundCloud, really wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dracos, joined by Frost. We're going to be together for Hello. the entirety of Worlds. Us on the desk, you sitting at home, will be calling in a lot of guests, hoping to get as many people as we can from China, but we're going to have to see how that one's going to work out, as well as some guests here in Europe. So we will be here for the entire World Championship. To look at all of the dates, you can check out at LEC on Twitter. I believe there's going to be a handy-dandy graphic post there that'll tell you exactly when these podcasts are going to be coming out, because as much as we would love to be like, every Wednesday or every Thursday, World's Format does not really allow that, at least until the bracket stage. So we'll keep you guys updated. That said, we are coming off of the final two best of fives for plans. We've now eliminated six teams from Worlds. We've qualified four to the group stage. Frosco, it's been a slog. We've been doing Worlds After Dark on the side as well. But like, what? How you? How do you feel at this moment about Worlds 2020? There was not euphoria for plans. <laughs> there was not. There was not euphoria for plans, and we're going to talk a lot about that today, guys, because there's. There's a body on the table right now, if you're not in YouTube land, not a literal body, figurative body, and we're going to have to uh, bury it proper. But let's start with the good. Come on, EU fans need a win today. Uh, unicorns of love look... No, I'd, um... Oh, the goods. Okay, so the goods of plans is that I think this was the most competitive plans that we've ever had. Mm -hmm, um, the mm -hmm. games were all very exciting, and I think there's probably going to be a couple different factors that go into this one. Um, so I'm actually like... Really looking forward to, as time moves on, when we actually get to look back kind of through the lens of the finished product of Worlds at what happened in plans uh, plans, and kind of have like more perspective onto it. But in short, it feels like the, the gap is closing. You're having individual players from emerging regions uh, be competitive or just straight up outclass uh, players from major regions. The macro and fundamentals of League of Legends feel a lot cleaner. There's some really cool things happening with the draft. I don't mind the world's meta. It's not my favorite meta of League of Legends ever, but I do feel like for once it almost feels very balanced in a sense. You know, there's not like True. one champion that just kind of stands above everything. There's no Darius or Mordekaiser running around ruining all of these draft phases. So I think that's a that's a strong good for plans. It was one of the best plans I think I've ever watched. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for the first time ever, the big thing for me was when we watched plans in the past, like there always felt like there was this static hierarchy of play-ins teams where you've got CB Law in recent years at least has been near the bottom alongside the LJL and a lot of that similar stuff played out. But when we saw the games, when teams won, it wasn't just from crazy picks, although we did get some of that from UOL. It was, as you said, individual players stepping up. It was better macro game and it felt not like we were watching this kind of like Yeehaw! Backroom brawl, like rodeo fiesta action, but we were watching good League of Legends, and that's and that's cool to me because now it finally feels like the plans is delivering on what at least you think the vision for plans would be, which is the actually a plan stage, not like this courtesy victory lap for the teams that are winning in smaller regions. Have you ever been to a circus? Yeah, but not in a long time. I'm really curious to where this one's going to go. <laughs> so just like, just think of what you think a circus would be like if you've never <laughs> been to one. Mm -hmm. Usually how they go is before you get to like, you know, the acrobats doing all the cool flips in the air and like yeah. the big animals, like the tigers and the lions coming out and all like the professionals. Usually you start, you open the circus, which a bunch of clowns just kind of, you know, where this is going, oh, going around in a circle. And uh, now I feel like in the past we had some pretty circus 
openings. Yes. You know what I mean? Very traditional. But now we're like that Cirque du Soleil shit. Like it's yeah. nice. People come out. It's like it's choreographed. The costumes are looking beautiful. They're like the human body can do that. How are they flying through the air like that? That's cool. And I from minute one, it was entertaining. <laughs> It absolutely was, which is great. And like, obviously, as an EU fan, you know, there's, there's stuff to be sad about, too. But I think the good also overall was I was impressed by a lot of individual regions specifically this time around. Now, we talked about the LJO and the CB Law, and they obviously did fall short. And that's kind of if we're doing the good, the bad and the ugly of plans, definitely CB Law and the LJO are on the bad side, because let's. Can we also put LGD there? LG, LGD are all, screw it. Let's start with the bad. We're in a negative move. We'll start with the bad. It's going to be the bad, the good, and the ugly. The movie title is not important here. Ignore that. Um, copyright infringement anyway, probably. Um, the bad. Okay, the bad. Han the, the Elise picks coming out from V3 is the biggest example of throwing in draft I have ever seen in my life because there is room for interpretation for so many champions. There are so many times where I will go and I will say, listen, guys, I want to talk to the team. I want to talk to the coach before I say- I want to see what happens. Yeah, I want to understand what their logic was. But Elise's ass. You know it if you've ever played her. If you played her in peak Elise days when she was OP, like in season three and you could play her in literally any role and you now have to play her in 2020, you know how I feel right now because it is horrible and i do not know why any player or coach in their right mind would go yes elise that is the champion you can do that is the champion you can play and nonetheless elise renekton because you know what exists nidalee renekton which is just like elise renekton but in you know 2020 instead of 2014 maybe 2015 so yeah that that's my first bad now it's very minor because obviously most of you have probably forgotten that v3 even played in this tournament at this point but it stuck with me because i hate that champion you're still mad about it i can I'm, tell i'm still so pissed uh there was there was a lot of inting for those who didn't watch plans and just kind of figured like oh you were just tuning into worlds for the main stage the group stage and you look around you're like huh i i think i'm i think i'm missing a team here i can't seem to find the mad lions um mad lions didn't survive uh cb lol and ljl didn't survive uh mm -hmm. rainbow seven somehow got through to a best of five and then lgd came back to life and mad lions <clears throat> let down an entire region but now we have unicorns of love uh psg tl and uh what's their faces what what's their faces uol lgd team liquid psg town yeah that's good those are the four teams we sent through super massive falling flat today um obviously we just did two double back-to-back -back best of five days um if you haven't watched the mad lions series don't just don't uh i think watch interviews we're gonna have an interview coming up shortly with mac to kind of get his insight on the loss but like Unless you want to be upset, unless like that's like your thing, then do not watch that series. There's a lot of great series to watch. The UOL Supermassive series was super hyped today. The LGD Legacy one, not as hype, I think both because we we love the Aussies dearly. So watching that one go down the way it did was was a little bit sad. But the other positive, we, we said that's the bad, right? The bad is the Mad Lions. Or the, the Mad Lions aren't the ugly, though. They're just the bad. Uh, I don't know. The Mad ugly. Lions, they're right on the line. LGD were definitely the ugly. I mean, LGD I'm were still definitely mad ugly. About we'll it. round out with good. It's the bad, the ugly, and the good. Well, no, the good news <laughs> is that planes were competitive. Uh, we have to have a conversation, though, about Mad Lions, like, actually. Uh, so, moving away from, like, game state, because we've yeah. done a lot of, like, game state analysis about those things over various different channels, whether it's Twitter, whether it's, like, personal streams, whether it's on broadcast. Yeah. And so, for this podcast and this discussion, because um, I see it happening a lot, like, and I really liked what you said, you know, after the Best of Five series, which was, mm. you know, take the L. Our fourth seed did not perform. Yep. And... 
Ultimately, Mad Lions, um, previously Splice, although they're a brand new organization, in their first year had back-to-back playoffs. They mm-hmm. took down G2 in a best of five. They qualified for Worlds, and they only have one returning veteran player, if you will. I'm using quotations if you're not in YouTube land, um, in Humanoid. Yep. And unless they won Worlds, there was no happy ending. You know what I mean? Like, it was always going to fall short. And so, from that perspective, Mad Lions have accomplished a lot. And it's unfortunate that the taste that will be left over in fans' mouths will be one of such disdain and disgust because of the performance on a world stage when everything surrounding it, like, was obviously very volatile. The fact that Mad Lions really came into fruition during the online stage of the LEC and then moving on to stage, moving into a different meta. And, you know, that's not to take away from the analytical errors of the individual underperformers of Arome and Shadow in particular, Kaiser and Karzi also having some missteps here and there, but mostly consistent and Humanoid was probably playing in peak Humanoid form. The fact that the coaching and drafting staff really let the team down, I think also went onto social media and uh, were pretty explicit about that in interviews. So I don't think there's any subjective debating there. But like, I don't know. I think people calling for Arome and Shadow specifically to be replaced is misplaced because if I'm building a team, like just like straight thing, if I like own Mad Lions or whatever, and I have accomplished X, Y, and Z for my first year as an organization, I'm like, Fiddlesticks, yeah. Let's run it back. Let's give these players more time. Now, obviously, if you, if this happens again, like, and this is the other thing, like the expectation, the bar has now been set so high for an organization. We go into 2021 LEC and the first thing's going to be like, you know, bad drop at Worlds. Uh, they crashed out, but there's so much potential with this team and we've seen it and now we want to see them rise back up. And then now, unfortunately, if they continue to just tank and go on like a an origin downward trajectory, then... Then that's when you got to have the hard conversations and start pulling up the pink slips and looking yeah. at like the fine print of the contract. But I think to be like, oh, replace Arome, replace Shadow, you know, F this guy, F this. I'm like, no. If you're running that team, you're like, I feel pretty, pretty good right now. I like, feel like you got, <laughs> it's, I feel like it's probably an unfair phase because these are people, not products, but you got your money's worth, right? Like at the end of the day, like they took you where you needed to go. And like, obviously, if you want to make changes to make your team stronger, that's great, but it shouldn't just be because of this world's performance. Because at the end of the day, yes, they fell flat. But you said, as you said, they had so many achievements prior and this is still a really strong team. And the thing that does suck, and this sucks for teams at Worlds, and I'm also kind of guilty of this, of holding them accountable for their world's performance when we come into the next year and not looking as much at their domestic performance. I always have to like check my bias and take a step back. Because when we came into the start of this year, I was like G2, 3 in finals, and I was so sad. But then I had to remind myself, like, G2 are still the kings of Europe, right? Like, they're still going to come in. They're still going to perform. They're still going to be a great team, even if, as an EU fan at that moment, coming into the season, talking about this team, my first instinct is, yeah, but they just got the shit kicked out of them, right? Like, you have to remind yourself, we're back in domestic competitions, back to being about who is going to be the best in Europe. And when we talk about that, Mad Lions are still going to be a contender. And you can be mad and you can be upset about, mad, wow, Jesus. Uh, You can be upset about (laughs) it, you know, but at the end of the day, like all you can really hope for is that mad make the best decisions for them, which let's be honest, most of us on the outside aren't going to know what the best decisions are for them. It's really easy to just point fingers and assume blame, right? Um, And yeah, you probably can get individually stronger players, but it's 
as we've all learned from watching years and years of League of Legends, it's not as simple as plugging play, plugging playing. Yeah, the guy's a better laner, great. He might also be toxic. He might not also get along with this guy. He might not, like, there's so many factors, and I don't know. I get the desire to play roster manager via, you know, social media or whatever. I feel it. Like, I feel it when... You're pulling up KDAs. You're checking yeah, the math. You're yeah, because, like, like the, we do it a little formula. bit behind the scenes, too, right? Like, where we're like, oh, I really don't know about this player. I think that maybe they could go for a swap here. But I think it's also important to, like, you know, check yourself and remind yourself that without that inside information, without being a part of the team, you never know. And also just remember that these people are young, that they are rookies, that they are growing into their roles, and that having making it as far as they did in their first year is truly impressive. And you can, like, obviously you can always bring up a team like Misfits as, like, a counterexample, but, like, even Misfits had some more, I feel like, more veteran, more experienced players in a lot of regards, like, more calm, cool-headed players, whereas, like, you, the thing you love about this team is how creative and how crazy they are, and yeah, but they're also a team that wears their heart on their sleeve a lot more, and that's, like, that's the, the double-edged sword of, of the Mad Lions, I feel like. I hope that the Mad Lions stay together. I mean, obviously off-season can always be, like, pretty crazy, but... I would love to see the Mad Lions stick it out together. I would love to see them have a run back and then kind of make like a, a more educated opinion on the other side of that one rather than, you know, slamming on the brakes after a world's performance and uh, driving away what was a really incredible team for majority of summer. Yeah. Yeah. I would be ashamed to see any kind of um, big, big changes. Uh, of course, we're going to hear more from Mac. Just a little bit. Um, quick shot. Had the chance to sit down and talk with him. I'm really excited to actually see. We haven't seen that interview yet, so I really actually am really curious to see what he had to say, how he felt about it, how they reflect about it as a team. Because obviously, all of us are going to have opinions from the outside, but getting the inside perspective is always going to be more valuable. But that said, I do want to celebrate a couple of things on on the side of the good. Actually, real quick, LGD. <laughs> back to shitting on things, and then back to the good. Well, I, I want to talk about LGD because LGD. We talked about this before uh, on other platforms, but I want to hit it again here. Chinese teams are so annoying to watch. And you've talked about it, and it's like they play so many games every year. They're chilling until the – they can do this thing where they just chill until the games really matter, right? In the past, people memed it as sandbagging. But LGD is a great example of this where they, like, did literally nothing during groups. Looked like the biggest hot mess of all time and then double three-oed their way into, into the group stage. And that's infuriating to watch because what do you say about LGD? I will never predict in favor of LGD ever and yet they're probably going to do fine. Yeah, because it's probably true. And this is why for the longest time LPL teams have been so inconsistent. Probably volatile is a better word for that. Volatile is better, yeah. Very volatile. Um, they play so many games. And at the end of the day, it's kind of, a, it, it's like what you said about Mad Lions, you know, like their people. Yep. And when you play that many games, uh, you know, how a, how a scrim, I think Mark in an interview with Ashley was talking about like, oh, scrims went really well. So we knew that we were going to do really well in a best of five. And then suddenly they like turn it on. And uh, in the LPL, it's like pretty common that your top tier teams don't like smash through a season like you would see in LEC or LCS or even in the LCK to a lesser extent. Although now I, I don't think that's like always as true as it once was when like SKT was having perfect um splits it's usually you play 20 million games and you kind of coast a little bit things like you know uzi would take uh the first half of the lpl split off after chinese new year and then he'd rejoin the team and then you 
get into playoffs and you find that sixth gear and you just start running people over. And so the conversation was always the same from as far back as I can remember all the way in like 2014, 2015 of like the new upcoming young team. Yes, we're super excited. And then you rock into playoffs and it's the the RNGs, the EDGs, the IGs that like run back up. And there is something to be said that, you know, now you have completely new orgs, the JDGs, the Soonings, the um, TES and now LGD returning to the international stage, and it is full of, you know, young, new players. But it's always the same thing of you kind of sit, you kind of coast, then when it comes on, you come alive, you turn it on, and you have to find that clutch performance. And that's also what held back uh, TES and JDG for so long before they have now finally climbed to the top. It was supposed to be JDG at MSI. Now it's, of course, TES that hold the first seed for LPL. But they've been there for a while and just been, you know, pushed down by the more veteran, the more experienced players. And now they had to acquire their own veterans or acquire that experience. Yigao and Zoom have now been in the LPL. They were kind of like the third era wave of of mid laners that have had the time. Uh, TES Knight picks up, you know, super experienced players like Karsa. They grab Jackie Love and suddenly that team comes alive. So it's still a lot of that experience and that veteranship that is propelling these players forward. I think you can also see that in uh, like TL's performance comparatively to everyone else around them. They were so disciplined they were so ready they were so calm and lgd kind of have that same level of experience and of course didn't have the same group stage performance but at least for their their best of series were really great when you're reminded that this is a world finalist this is a world semi-finalist this is a world quarter finalist on that team yeah and i think the cool kind of things that you can take away from this kind of like i don't want to say like hypotheses i guess you can take away from it because i don't think they're complete conclusions hypotheses um is this is that like one the value of playing on a stage and one and two the value of playing on a big stage because if mad lions got to play games on a bigger stage i think they would have fared so much better in this tournament because they earned big stage appearances but because of the the covid because of the pandemic they didn't get a chance to play those games and i don't know if the stage affected them but like that's obviously important like playing more games on stage feels like a big factor to me the other thing that we get to see confirmed by tl is that they are they obviously have a rookie too and that's tactical and that's further valuing the importance of veterans on a world stage further improving showing us how important it is to have players who have this kind of experience who aren't going to be shaken by the pressure coming onto them and i and i can't say 100 maybe core jj is micromanaging this guy for 100 of the time but regardless the fact that tl has a guy that could do that is such a huge boon for tactical as someone who came onto the world stage and i mean flashed aggressively and that's like the first thing like the second and 80 carry that's a rookie of the world stage flashes aggressively i'm like this guy's here he's comfortable he is playing on world stage he's not sitting there he's not scared on the world stage he's playing on world stage he's, he's willing to take risks and that is something that we we don't always see especially from Mad Lions is a team that obviously did take some risks, did you know, did have their moments, but uh, mostly looked like kind of a, a a shell of the team that we got to see when they were at their peak domestically. Yeah, and I don't want to like pull all punches. Like we've kind of had two different conversations about what we think happened with Mad Lions and mm-hmm. trying to give context and perspective. Um, but I do also think that it is fair to criticize, criticize being the keyword here, the team, not like flame them and destroy them, but to criticize the team. Yeah, the drafts were a mess. The individual performance were a mess. Uh, it was very disappointing, and I think that is all fair. Yeah, I think um, overall, the wrap-up, it was a really exciting plans. There were some big standouts. EU fans, if you're sad because of Mad Lions, that's totally fine. Uh, congrats to Team Liquid from NA. They look good. They look consistent. That's a big strength going into 
uh, the group stage. TL's individual performers looked great. Impact and Jensen in particular mm, are mm. playing on top mechanical form, uh, constantly yes. winning their lane matchups, uh, constantly just dumpstering 1v1 on opponents. Brox is the big beneficiary of that. He still is playing more so to the fact that his laners are just hard stomping and then like picking up kills. So I'm really curious, you know, what happens when they don't get to smash individual yeah. lanes as much. Um, but super disciplined, very patient. The Rift Herald setups are great. They don't actually swap for Herald and pull their bot lane. Instead, they uh, create avenues with the fact that they're winning in top and mid to hold their opponent. And Broxy usually gets to 1v1 the Herald, pulling core JJ uh, up, not to show on Herald, but just in case something goes bad. So that way you're not losing CS or losing farm on your bot lane or losing time by pulling them away from the lane. They bought out the Twitch and the Recon off base resets when it comes to like Everyone resets their back and base. Where do we attack next on the map? They're super disciplined and super fast with their setup. And I think it's that consistency that made them so dominant in play-ins. They, they looked how major regions teams should look versus emerging in regions teams. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, I'm ready to see what TL can do. Of course, um, during the time of recording this, the group draw just finished. So we're going to talk about the group draw when we return. But for now, we're going to step away for a second. We're going to like quick shot takeover. He sat down with Mac and we're going to have to hear what Mac had to say about all things relating to Mad Lions and Europe at Worlds. Thank you so much, Dracos and Frosk. It is a quick chat with quick shot as I am joined by Mac from the Mad Lions. Um, first of all, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Um, it's been... A difficult week for yourself and for the team. So let's start by talking about Worlds. Let's start about the fact that Mad Lions have been eliminated. And, and what's your gut reaction? How are you and the team handling the ultimate defeat? Um, I mean, we're all really, really incredibly disappointed, obviously. Um, we had really high expectations of ourselves coming into into kind of playoffs towards the end of this year and it kind of went downhill a bit from there and i think those expectations make it even harder now um i'll be really frank with you i don't think any of us have really slept much at all last night so <laughs> that doesn't help either um at the moment we're all spending a lot of time together which is nice but i think that's also because none of us really want to be alone with our thoughts at the moment because uh, that's when it's really hard um so yeah that's been it's been pretty difficult, honestly. Um, on the plus side, we've had a really huge amount of support from fans. Um, like the the kind of positive messages that we've got have massively, massively outweighed any negativity, um, which I'm really thankful for. That makes me exceptionally happy to hear. And, and thank you for the, the very earnest and frank answer. It is a difficult situation. And... It's a challenging one because, like you said, the expectations were set so high. You know, um, Mad Lions, let's be honest as well, have been struggling a little bit. It feels like week seven, week eight of summer and, and coming into Worlds. But I personally had really, really high hopes because I'd seen the ceiling that um, yourself and your team had been able to play. How would you address some of the public sentiment around, you know, players underperforming, um, the picks and bans, you know, fans were not particularly supportive or understanding of the center Wukong, for example. So can you talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, those final games and, and some of the messages that you've been seeing? Sure, sure. Uh, I will say that all of the negative messages I've gotten have been about draft. <laughs> As they would and, be for um, yourself, right? I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I fully take responsibility for that. Um, I think for a lot of the series, the drafts were 
okay. They weren't that bad, although I think we missed the mark with a couple of them. But for game five, it was really a disaster. Um, but at that point, I felt like we were a bit out of options. Um, so it got really hard. Um, in terms of criticism of our own performance, um, definitely deserved in terms of the way that we're actually playing uh, and also the way that we're drafting. Uh, I don't want to use this as an excuse in any way, but what I will say is that we have four players and two coaches who are rookies. Obviously, yeah. like I've been around for a while uh, and Peter has obviously been around for a while, but on stage, uh, we have me and we have Cass and both of us in total have about 14 games of on-stage experience drafting um, because that's how many we got in spring regular season. You know, um, we, we said that on broadcast uh, several times, Mac, and, and you know, outside of Arome's one extra game as he subbed in last year, 15 games for him, 14 for three of the players, and then Humanoid obviously significantly more. Um, did did the, the weight of the stage, the weight of worlds, the, the weight of traveling, quarantine, did it play a, a significant role, especially from your perspective in balancing and preparing these young players in not only a new environment in an international event, but a new environment just playing on a stage? Yeah, I mean, play, playing on a stage was, it was really big. It was really big. Um we can talk about it a bit more later, I suppose, but actually we, we had really good expectations coming into the tournament because our scrim results were actually fantastic coming in and I felt like we improved a lot. Uh, I spoke to Law the other day on broadcast, I think, about how great it's been scrimming all of the good Asian teams and how much we've learned from them and how it's helped us grow and adapt a lot, but we, we literally weren't able to showcase any of it on stage. Uh, and that's part of, part of that is adapting to stage and part of that is also, I think, dealing with the stress. I mean, when we're in Berlin, uh, we as a staff and as an org have a really good handle on managing stress and managing burnout, managing expectations, all of these things. And suddenly when uh, you're doing worlds in a hotel in China, in quarantine, a lot of the time, like you have so much less control over the environment and over everything else that's going on, plus all the added pressure and uh, the added stress and the travel um, we also had some pretty unlucky circumstances. Uh, our performance manager, Jake, the Viking, uh, got a, got a tooth infection like two days before we were supposed to fly. Oh my word. Um, so he wasn't able to come to China and we rely on him for a lot of things. Um, Peter, we on, actually don't even know how this happened, but he got a severe muscle strain uh, and wasn't able to walk for the best part of a week. So he couldn't come to the studio with us. <laughs> so it was uh, kind of a perfect storm in a lot of ways. Um, the players also definitely struggled with the quarantine, as as did I. Um, they're very young. You know, most of our players are 19, 20. Uh, Arome is the oldest at 22. Yeah. And... Um, being isolated for them was really hard. We're a very close team most of the time. Um, and our players are very kind of sensitive and often very emotional. And they rely on each other a lot for support and they lean on each other a lot for support. We felt that. Um, I mean, we can see it in terms and, of how the players interact yeah. and how the win celebrations go. And I, I want to be very honest, Mac. I truly appreciate pretty much any interview that you, you've ever had with our broadcast. I think you're very eloquent and very fan. I just want to call out that um, 
explaining and talking about new players and rookies, to a lot of our fans and viewers, they sometimes say it's an excuse, and frankly, that pisses me off. It's context. It's information, right? And what I appreciate is five minutes ago, you said that the criticism of individual performances was fair. And if I may project for a second, learning how to manage those players, learning how to adapt, figuring out what resources you have to take with you on the road, it, it is a first time for many of you guys. And, and Mac, you yourself have said in European interviews, hey, it's my first year as like a head coach. So um, I just appreciate recognizing it and I appreciate you sort of owning that, especially on the draft front. But now let's zoom out a little bit and talk about the year because it is the first year for many of these players, you know, full, full season, full competitive year, making it to world's play-ins. You yourself have been very, very humble in the success that you and the players have been able to find. How do you ultimately reflect on 2020 as the Mad Lions? Um, I mean, sometimes I, I like to say to the players, and I often say this to anyone who's not doing badly, uh, I like to say that your your year ends in heartbreak no matter where it ends. Um, unless you literally win world finals, which Europe hasn't for a long time. Um, well, That is a very morbid outlook. I, I think I know where you're um, going with it, but I think it's a very big reality <laughs> check. But, but please continue. It, it is. It is. It is. But I mean, so it gets better. Don't worry. Um, no matter where it ends, it, it always ends in heartbreak. You know, it has to stop somewhere. Um that doesn't mean that it wasn't amazing while it was going and that you don't have all of these wonderful memories and that you haven't been on this incredible journey and that you haven't grown together. Um, and that's the big takeaway from this year for us. This year has been absolutely amazing. Um, I wish it could have carried on a bit longer, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm any less grateful for everything that we've done together as a team and everything that we've experienced together as a team. It, it's it's beautiful, and I honestly I just love listening to how you represent your your thoughts. How much you can gleam as a viewer, as an outside party, to how your management style and your leadership is behind the curtains, right? It's very uplifting, holistic. You didn't go straight to the successes of spring and summer. You went to team health, camaraderie, you know, emotional checks. Um, but how does it feel when you look back and you go for this roster, for these players that really expectations didn't exist to be the first team to take down G2 in a BO5, to go third and fourth, you know, how proud of, of, of those accomplishments are you? Incredibly proud, incredibly proud. I remember, I remember sitting back in my chair after the, the G2 victory and just kind of sitting down in the office and being like, did this just happen? <laughs> did we just make history? Um, and that was a that's a moment that I'll never forget. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you know, regardless of how, it, even the world's experience, I'm I'm really grateful for. Um, regardless of of how it ended, um, there are only so many times that you get to be on a stage in a game five where everything is on the line with a million people or however many were people watching our game. You know, watching. There's only so many times in your life that you get to do that. Um, and the fact that we get that opportunity is something that uh, not a lot of players and coaches do yeah. get to have. Let know? alone in their um, rookie year. I worked with Chachi last year who had worked for five years trying to get there, you know, and thank God he finally did. But a lot of players don't. Um, 
And the fact that we've been able to get that in, in our first year together and get that experience is worth so much. I have one last uh, question looking back in, in 2020 before we move on to worlds at large. I want you to tell me personally, how do you feel about all the successes you found? At the beginning of the year, in a couple of interviews and seeing you on stage, I believe you were giga scared and nervous, you know, taking ownership of a team, <laughs> leading. I think you respected the role and the expectations that the organization, the players had of you. And I was nervous. I thought, oh, this dude's so afraid. He's going to like put his tail between his legs and run away like a little puppy. But you didn't. You proved me wrong. You rose to your <laughs> challenge. You delivered successful results. So as a coach and, you know, being in the limelight as you have been, how do you reflect on your personal year? Um, hmm. Yeah, you don't get asked this one a lot, do you? It's always about the players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally, I just deflect and talk um, about how Oh, great I'm other aware. Are, I'm aware. Know? I'm putting you on the spot, my man. Um, yeah, it's it's been really amazing. It's been really amazing. I think um, I was definitely very, very worried coming into the beginning of the year. Um, I think I have a lot of really great people around me to look up to. Um, like over the last three years, I've had the chance to make friends with with Duke, with Peter, with Grabs, all of these people who I think are amazing, amazing coaches who are just like brilliant geniuses at what they do. And I was really intimidated coming up into that um, because I wasn't sure of how it was how I was going to match up. Um, I think I still have a lot of learning to do, but I think. Uh, the thing that I'm most happy with is that I've been able to do things my way, you know. Um, we've your done way things works. really differently. Your on, way works, on my Lions. friend. It it worked definitely for our players. I think um, in a lot of cases there are uh, players that um, wouldn't necessarily flourish in different environments that we at Mad Lions can make work and make grow. Um, because of the environment that we have and because of the the way that, that we like to do things as a staff. And a lot of that is, you know, not just me, it's inherited from Peter because he and I have basically the identical <laughs> philosophy when it comes to coaching. Um, but yeah, so I'm really happy that we've been able to do things differently. You know, we do a lot of extra stuff as a team. We scrim less than other teams. Um, we put a lot more emphasis on mental health and physical health and all these types of things. And, and that stuff is really dear to me. So I think being able to prove that that, that approach can work and that it's not just about, you know, scrimming yeah. nine 12 games hours a day, a day. or something yeah, insane. Exactly. And yeah, I, I'm really happy that that's been able to work because uh, I think that if the kind of industry is going to be able to grow uh, as a profession, that's something that needs to be addressed because it's it's really unhealthy. And for me personally, it was a huge source of worry coming in for my own health yeah. mentally and physically, whether or not I was going to be able to cope with that. Makes a lot of sense. And I think you've definitely laid the foundations for a very strong future. The first year... Mad Lions head coach, the success they found. Congratulations. Um, humble in victory, gracious in defeat. Uh, it really is a pleasure. We've only got a few minutes left. So I do want to ask just one or two last quick questions, if I may. 
you've obviously played a lot more games off stage than you did on stage. And when we look at the World Championships and one of the first teams that's been eliminated, let's focus in on what are your expectations for G2, Fnatic, and Rogue's chances going forward? Because frankly, you're the most informed person in Europe right now who can help give us some expectations. Um, so I can't speak too much to their own experiences. Um, I think ours, I already commented a couple of times that we felt like the Asian teams are uh, really, really strong in a lot of ways that we hadn't anticipated and hadn't realized. Um, and that uh, a lot of the time, I kind of hinted at this the other day, they punish you so hard for mistakes that we're not used to being punished for. Um, things like level one, um lane positioning planning wave state uh i think one of the things that the asian teams do really well uh that we learned from them um like we went and scrimmed uh i think we scrimmed damwon when we first arrived in quarantine and we got six owed we just got destroyed every game was over in 10 minutes um and for the next two weeks we basically spent a long time drilling trying to practice what they did to us in the early game because we hadn't seen a team do that to us in Europe um, with regards to how well they managed their waves around the position of the jungler. It just felt like their waves were always magically in the right spots when yeah. our jungler was uh, was on the opposite side of the map for us to get punished. Um, so I think actually the Asian teams are way stronger than we may have anticipated. Um, so I'm not going to well, lie, I'm a little bit worried. Scary. I think yeah. normally... Mm -hmm. You're you're yeah. beating around the bush, I but mean, basically you're summarizing your well, right? I'm I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit nervous. But I mean, I don't think Mad Lions is anything to read into because I think we collapsed pretty hard. I don't think that G2 and Fnatic are gonna collapse like that. Um, but we had a similar experience last year, it's also worth saying. Like on Splice, yeah. we also kind of got smashed in every scrim. Um, and then uh European teams all did super well. Uh, so it, it's always so hard to predict. How scrims. on um, earth, Mac, you always find a way to make something uplifting. It is it is truly <laughs> a talent. Um, I, I have run out of time with you. Uh, Mac, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, this will obviously make it to Euphoria and safe travels home. I cannot wait to see what you do with the rest of the off season and moving into 2021. It has been a pleasure. Congratulations on 2020. Thank you very much. Wow, hey, that was a lot happened in the interview. There was a big range of emotions from like empathy to fear. Uh, regardless, thank you to thank you to Quickshot for for making that happen while we were otherwise occupied um, today. That one happened while the final series was going on, and uh, unfortunately, the Mac couldn't be there to play it. But ultimately, some really really excellent insight. Um, and so, before we talk about kind of the back half of the interview, where we talk about the rest of the European teams and the rest of our hopes at Worlds, and also and also the group draw that we've now seen. Um, some final notes on Mad. I love what Mac was saying. I almost cried a little bit when he was when he said he made his speech about how like in the end it's always gonna it's always gonna end in heartbreak unless you in worlds you're like you're never gonna be and that that's very one very poetic and two super sad and I guess that's just the reality of being competitive is that unless you're number one you're you know you're not and that's that's just it and maybe you can pat yourself on the back for everything else but if you're a player who's who are truly hungry to be the best everything else is kind of gonna bring you down and that's oh that's sad i think we had mac on for our first episode of yeah, this of uh, this season yeah of this season's euphoria and um we asked him about his coaching philosophy and i believe he gave us the quote the motto of the team is uh be willing to do what no one else will mm -hmm. 
to rise. And I think the overall sentiment of, you know, team health and player health and just basically unlocking these very young adults uh, to reach their full potential. And the fact that Mad Lions, like people say it all the time, oh, our goal is to win Worlds. Our goal is to win the LEC. Our goal is to... And you're just like, it's all just lip service because they'll say it every single time. Well, it's also and just it... meaningless because it's literally everyone's goal. Yeah, but it actually feels like Mad Lions' goal. I think you're right. And I think that the thing that was cool when we talked to Mac at the start of the year was, was you talked about the priority of mental health and that he said that one of the big things that he wanted for the team is that he wanted each of his players to leave not as better players, but as better people. And obviously, like, this is this whole fly to China, be in quarantine for four, 14 days, get your ass kicked out of worlds is probably not the personal growth opportunity that is going to define these guys. But it is, but I, I'm glad it feels like this final speech that we got from him was consistent with the philosophy that he stated with us at the start of the year. And that's cool to see because a lot of times when people, like, everyone comes in with a plan, everyone, I like, you or me want to coach, we're going to come in with a plan. And I'm going to tell you on paper it's going to be great because we're shoutcasters and we talk real good. Is that plan going to be great in six weeks when we're 10 or we get our asses kicked in plans? No. We're probably going to have a very hard time sticking to that plan. We're going to start throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. So the fact that even in spite of all of this stuff going down, the fact that Mac is able to keep a cool head and continue with his philosophy moving forward it is cool. And it sucks to hear a lot of our suspicions confirmed. That like, I didn't know that the 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 guy with the beard, Jake, Jake. yeah, the 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 back rub slash like exercise guy i don't know he does a lot of stuff for that team he does he's making snacks he's doing he's, exercise he's, he's got team there's games. massages they're like jake shout out to jake you're the real mvp i'm so sorry you couldn't be there and that sucks for the team because like yeah i wouldn't be able to handle quarantine now and i am like almost 10 years older than most of these players and i would the mental strain on me being alone by myself for 14 days would be so hard so i can't even imagine how difficult it was it's actually what perk said in our final episode of euphoria because yeah. we were talking to him he's like i have a quarantine plan and i think he like this wasn't the exact quote but it was the sentiment of the younger teams like not being certain about what the younger teams or the younger players would do. And that since he was a more experienced player that he felt better prepared for going into quarantine and recognizing how much it would suck. Yeah. And that's got to build, build hope for us. Of course, like I think let's talk more about the other teams before we do a a final shout out to Mad Lions. It was a fantastic year. We're sorry to see you go. Um, Not just because it lessens our chances at winning worlds or embarrassing NA or anything like that, because it it just sucks. It always uh, sucks to see a team fall out and fall out in the fashion that they did. But ultimately, still a good year for MAD. We're not going to talk about them more on this podcast outside of when we need to bring up their games versus teams that are still around. But overall, a year that you can be proud of. EU fans, if you are disappointed, fair. If you want to leverage that criticism, fair. But let's 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 keep it wholesome. Mac talked about the positives outweighing the negative. Why don't we double down on that? Send more positives their way. Send more love because this team does deserve it. And ultimately, even if you think like Arome bombed out or Shadow bombed out, they don't deserve to be miserable as people. Even if you don't think they're good players, they don't deserve to be miserable as people. So send them some love. Show them some support in this time because um, that sucks. That does suck. And the thing that scares me, Frostgren. It's not the negative sentiment building around the Mad Lions. That's their problem now. They're going to handle it, and I hope the players are doing well. The thing that scares me is when Max says, we went in day one, and we scrimmed day one gaming, and they beat us in ways that we had never been beaten before, doing things that we had never seen or experienced before, because this is a team that has been scrimming our best teams. And so them coming to Worlds and seeing shit that they've never seen before has me scared 
for Fanatic, for Rogue, it's and for G2. It's the same though, Draco. So like in the past, you talk to pro players, usually European players, and they're like, uh, we played one side of the matchup and then we got smashed. And so we played the other side of the matchup and then we also got smashed and I don't know what's real anymore. Like this is not a new problem. And that's not to try to take away and say that, uh, yeah, Europe's still fine or you don't have to be scared. Like again, my tournament favorites are damn one and JDG. Um, but I, <sighs> just like Max said, you know, it's... It's so hard to predict. They got smashed in scrims uh, last year. All the European teams made it out of groups. This time around, they're doing really well at scrims and they bomb in play-ins. Level ones have always been a problem. That's how FPX absolutely smacked G2 in the final. They rocked into that uh, 0-3 final and FPX, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, like split map on them every single time or had level one setups Mm -hmm. every single time and they just got rocked. So... Uh, I, I hope that our more experienced <laughs> oh, teams in G2 and Fnatic <laughs> have learned from their mistakes. But it, it sounds like it's exactly as bad as I feared it was, but that that's just par for the course, Frostgren, which is definitely not what I want to be hearing. Um, God damn. Okay, so I think we just have to jump right into groups because ultimately, like, none of this speculation matters without the context of who these teams are going to be playing. So for context, if you haven't seen the group draw yet, you've been living under a rock, but it's cool that you waited till you were here. To, to listen to it. So I'm going to run through it one more time. Each group, as well as the team that was drawn into them. So Group A, G2 Esports, Machi Esports, Suning, and Team Liquid now coming in from the play-ins. Group B, this is the group of deaf people, brace yourselves. Damwon Gaming, JDG, or JD Gaming, I guess, technically. PSG Talon and Rogue. Now, PSG Talon, not a big threat, but those other two are damn scary. Group C, potentially another meat grinder hopefully Fnatic make it up we're gonna have to see because it is Fnatic it is Gen G it is LGD and it is team solo mid it's TSM we got an email about this Dracos it says it's actually true it is TSM they're not TSM it is TSM they're not team solo mid anymore they are just TSM my bad I was reading it off of Gamepedia uh whoops Gamepedia just trolling just TSM just TSM. And then it's DRX, FlyQuest, Top Esports, and Unicorns of Love. So and I'm, Group D. I'm yeah. gonna, how do you want to, do you want me to just like blitz through this or? Why don't we, why don't we do go, I attack okay, okay, this? okay. So I think, hmm. All right, let's do, why don't we do the EU fan bias first? Because okay. that's what people want to hear. That's what people want to hear. We're gonna break down each group individually after this. But first up, I need to know from you, Frost Gurren, mm-hmm. where are we getting out of groups? Where are the safe bets? Where are the, maybe we'll see what happens and where the we're giga doomed so you got to give it to me g2 esports are they the safe bet are they the eh, or are they we're giga doomed i mean frankly because it's g2 esports i'm always like ah! <laughs> we're never going to get to safe bet with g2 esports it's never going to be okay but i will say this in the current meta that we seem to see trending um there's good news and there's bad news good news the bot lane doesn't seem to be that impactful so perks and mickey who have been recently struggling might be okay. Yeah. The bad news is, is that uh, Yankos hasn't really showcased with the farming junglers like yep. the Lilias and things like that. Um, and it's not that Yankos can't play them. I think I'll quote grabs here that G2 cannot do well if Yankos is playing those champions. Um, so that is very concerning. And also, that's also the assumption that the play-ins meadow will extend into groups, which we could have a complete shakeup because it's just a different caliber of opponent. But I'm not, you know, scared for Wonder or Caps, where solo laners tend to be dominating. So that's also good news for G2. Um, I think the... I think what I've seen a lot of people predicting on this group is Sooning G2 TL Machi. And I think, A, that's an assumption because people haven't seen Machi. I've watched, I think, four of their VODs so far. I definitely do prep them harder um, yeah. 
going into it, I was going to see like what my assignments were and then kind of over index if I needed to. Yeah, to be honest, guys, we, we can't be perfect analysts for every team. So we do strategically pick and choose. <laughs> if we're not, if I don't cast a single Machi game, I will not, not know shit Machi. about Machi. That's just what it is. No offense to you, Machi. Just can't prep everybody. Um, uh, but the thing is, is like TL look in really good form. Mm-hmm. Their individuals are popping off. Um, Broxo looks really comfortable in the graves. I know that in playoffs, he had champion pool issues. I still think those carried over into plans, but he wasn't punished really hard. And I think it's hard to punish him because there's too many good things to try to wake, take away from TL right now. But that's, I mean, as an EU fan, like, let's set aside the LPL team in Suning right now. Let's set aside Machi. This is G2 versus TL. Like, I don't care. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it, right? We're getting the run back. This is MSI finals all over again, but they're, you know, they've beefed up now. We got Brox in the jungle. They're ready to go. And I'm, I don't want to say I'm, this is the matchup I'm actually least concerned about. Really? Yeah, actually, Did honestly. Did you see Jensen? No, no, Jensen is very... You, But you've seen Caps. Like, you pointed out the weak points, but you didn't say Caps, and you know you okay. didn't say Caps. Have you seen Core JJ in Tactical? I have, and that does worry me. And now while I have faith for... It's like, I love the pieces of G2's bot lane individually, but together, it's just it's not clicking the way it needs to click, is I guess how I say it. But let's, let's run really by lane. In the past, Wonder has kicked the living shit out of impact and admittedly impact is looking good but i have faith in wonder yanko's first broxa the the reports are broxa's limited champion pool his lilia wasn't great we've obviously seen the graves be pretty consistent for him we're gonna see how that that one plays out because broxa i do not think is the jungler to super punish yanko's if yanko's has to play like set or whatever right mid lane ain't nobody taking caps down Ain't nobody taking caps down. Like, no matter what happens to G2, caps will play well. Like, you saw Humanoid, who is like, what, our second, third, yeah, yeah, yeah. fourth best mid laner? And that wow, man was just, taking you names. started, like, really pulling Well, I, I, was, I forgot about Larson. I'm not going to lie for a second. And then I was like, well, it? Nemesis was also not playing that well. It was, I'm, I'm making the chill list in my head as I'm speaking. You got to bear with me. Regardless, Humanoid showed up. Caps is going to show. I have faith in the EU mids. Now, bot lane. Bot lane is an issue, but I look at our top side and I go, optimism is there for G2. So I think G2 have it. Now, if you want to tell me the G2 that like Mad Lions is omen of doom to come, it's not supposed fiddlesticks and omen of doom to come. I can kind of believe that. I don't know if Mac was being completely fair with us when he's saying that like, oh, our, our, we just totally collapsed. It doesn't mean anything. I think it might mean something. Maybe I'm too quick to be scared, but I think it might mean something. But unless we totally collapse, I have I have absolute faith in G2 to take TL. I have absolute faith in G2 in a best of five. I don't have absolute ah, faith in yeah, G2 yeah, in yeah, best of yeah, ones. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's a fair point, Frosco. I think G2's ability to adapt and learn is one of their greatest strengths because of their versatility and flexibility. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit worried for Group A because I think Suning and TL, that is not the gap between uh, G2 that you really want it to be when G2 have been gapping on everyone else, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with Suning, the last lion remaining in the... Uh, in the, the world's competition, uh, this is SOFM's team. And if you haven't heard the name SOFM, oh, just fiddlesticks and prepare yourself. Just like, let that sweet I, word, I, yeah. that if acronym you haven't heard, come into your ears. You guys remember what Levi did to our region? What <laughs> Levi did to so many regions? F- SOFM did that to Levi. Like, let's be clear here. He's the OG He's Levi. He's the OG Levi. Okay, he is so mechanically gifted. He is so mechanically gifted. Sometimes an utter moron just loses his goddamn mind. 
<laughs> we're building him. He is the boogeyman. He will tear you apart. He is Baba Yaga. He is John Wick. He is here to mess you up. He might shoot himself in the foot. <laughs> Listen. But he's also John Wick, but he might he might shoot himself. He's like when Luke Skywalker looks down the barrel of the lightsaber when he first like picks it up. And as long as he doesn't push that button, we're all screwed. But he might push the button, then he's just dead. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, so um I'm really unsure about Sooning. Sooning will either like absolutely just like clown on kids or it's the LGD, but just much faster a- pace. AKA the LPL conundrum. What version, what level, what will we see? It's hard to say. I'm taking G2 Esports over Team Liquid. And I will say, EU, that not just because of G2 are who they are, but I think this one is an eh. I think G- a- Group A is not as easy as we initially assumed it would be when we saw the first three teams drawn. I actually think G or uh, Group A is actually like the hardest group to predict, in my opinion, of who gets out. It, like, I think that's fair. It really depends on what form. I don't know if it's, you know, TLG2 getting out. I don't know if it's G2 and Sooning, TL and Sooning. And maybe, like, my bias comes in because I'm, like, just scared about G2 and best of ones. Because I'm like, oh, this team can either clown on people or just, like, fiddlesticks and run it down. Um, Whereas I think, actually, TL, I'm pretty confident that they'll make it out. I think that's the one thing that I'll say about Group A. I think TL makes it out of the group. I don't know if it's Sooning or G2 or... Fiddlesticks it, Machi, who's holding hands with them getting out of that group. That's to me, this one's completely up in the air. And part of that's because, once again, not as prepared for Machi as I need to be. So they're just a question mark to me. I might think that they're really great. I might think that they're at the bottom of the group. But from the t- three teams remaining, I have no idea. That's what I will say. So we're just going to have to see EU fans. I'm really surprised you have that much faith in Team Liquid. But to be fair, if you did not watch plans, Team Liquid. As mentioned by earlier by Frost, just to reiterate, we're the only team that looks like a major region team punching down against weaker competition. And it's how they win. It's their setup, guys. The Rift Herald setup is really good. They, they are, are a clean team. They are doing it better than other teams around them by a significant margin, as well as also individually performing when they need to. That's that, why I have a lot of faith in TL, because I feel like they're super consistent. Yes. And if that sucks to hear... It sucks to say, don't worry. I'm just kidding. I have no beef with it anymore. I'm kind of over it. We, we punched down for the entire year. Um, we'll see if we get to do it again next year. Good luck, Ellie. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Group B, next up, Danwon Gaming, JD Gaming, PSG Talon, and Rogue. This group's a banger. This group is an absolute banger, but let's be honest. Everyone knows it. We're going to say it here. This is Danwon Gaming and JD Gaming. I will Rogue, this is the miracle shot. I said it when we saw the first two teams drawn. Despite the fact that I think they're going to roll over PSG Talon, I still think this is the miracle. Hilariously, I'm like the least worried about Rogue. Yeah. You just love consistency, and I, I get do. it. It's worlds. Consistency and best of one is Because I've just been watching these round robins, best of ones. I'm like, I hate all these teams. I hate it. And then as soon as it gets to a best of five, I completely like pump the brakes and be like, well, here's the problem now. But like right now... I look at Rogue, I'm like, this is so unfortunate that you're in Group B. I'm so upset about it. But also at the same time, in a best of one, you could really mess someone up. Maybe Rogue completely destroys one of the tournament favorites. Because for me, Damwon and JD Gaming are my tournament favorites. You yeah. got both of them. Yeah. Like, okay. Damwon are so scary. Damwon are so scary. Damwon and JD are both so scary. But I think Damwon looks significantly more scary in their playoffs run, particularly their finals, than they did in the ramp up. So how I do prep... Um, for teams is I will watch their I'll take the top three teams the region and I will watch 
the team that I'm studying against the other top three teams mm. over the entire course and then their oh, playoff damn. run. And so that way I can try to figure out what their like trajectory was. So you can say things like, you know, this team started out doing this and then they fixed this. And in playoffs, you really saw it come together or it, in playoffs, it really hit it because of the meta shit. Like you can say stuff like that. And for damn one, um, what really impressed me was how much more patient their team fighting got. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm used to watching a lot of LPL and LEC, and it's very like fast, like snap grab. But damn one, they like they wait for the perfect setup. They're still like a good fast paced team. I'm not saying they're super slow, but like Nuguri will be playing his cannon, and he'll have so many opportunities for the perfect cannon ultimate, and he'll never just like snap pull the trigger. It's always like a really beautiful orchestrated, like gorgeous destruction. And I'm like, this is so cool to watch them attack from so many different angles to wait for the perfect moment. The patience in their setup is super clean. All right, so you're the least worried about Rogue, but ha uh, in terms of oh, performing, yeah, okay, you're <laughs> the least worried about them performing. Like we will actually see Rogue perform at the level we saw them perform domestically. It just might not be enough because JD Gaming and Danwon Gaming are so good. I want to speed to these last two, um, not because I don't love Fnatic, but let's let, let's let's hit on these big ones as well because sadly for Group B it feels pretty locked. Group C is the one that feels wide open, feels big, wide open to me. It is Fnatic, Genji, LGD, and TSM again. Now. You're saying the Team Liquid is like who we have to be scared of. I'm actually worried about TSM when it comes to Fnatic. Now bear with me here. It's almost exclusively because of mid lane matchup. Because we talked about, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Bjergsen literally dragged this team through the entirety of LCS. And Nemesis, as much as things are looking a little bit better, I feel like is exploitable. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. If you tell me I'm crazy, that's the news that I want to hear, Frosker. And so please, for the love of God, tell me I'm crazy. Like, am I just totally wrong on this gut check here? Um, hmm. You look both upset and confused. <laughs> I if you're of. not in YouTube land, you're like, <laughs> how can you be so wrong and so stupid? <laughs> uh, well, let's think about the meta. Who are the most important players in the meta? Junglers. Okay. And then always is always mid laners. Top now, laners, obviously. Who's third. sending the best jungler from Europe? It's got to be Fnatic. Okay. In the current meta, don't don't lose it, Yankos fans. In the current meta. Okay. Uh, we're also going into a lot of team fights, a lot of flipping over heralds and dragon fights. Who's the most important member in those? In heralds, heralds fight. I mean, support's pretty good in those. Or. I mean, mid, our top lane is also Come on, good. we're team fighting. We're team fighting. I mean, what? If you mean early Herald fights? You mean late Herald fights? Man, Phil sticks you. It's reckless. Yeah, I know. It's that's what you mean. It feels like it's not a quiz. I'm actually not. I'm not concerned for Fnatic. I'm actually, I think that they're they're fine. I would be shocked if Fnatic didn't make it out of this group. Now, I'm not saying that Fnatic like stomp through and get first because mm -hmm, it's best mm -hmm, one, mm -hmm. but I don't think, I don't think that there's a chance that Fnatic don't make it out of the group. Now, I have a lot of questions around TSM. I find them very interesting in that like, for me, TL's form was much better than what we saw in plans. Mm -hmm. And people will say, oh, yeah, obviously, caliber of competition that they're against versus domestically in the LCS. But it was how they were winning mm -hmm. or how they lost, which is what I was really watching for, like completely eliminating the caliber of competition. I think that we saw a much better TL than we had seen, at least in the LCS VODs, so the back half of their season than I had watched. Yeah. And... uh. For TSM, like the team liquid that I just saw, I'm like, they could theoretically be. Like if we run back NA playoffs, that TL wins the split. I think. Yeah, like they were really good. And maybe I'm just being like sideswiped by the cali caliber of competition. And like maybe if they're not, you know, 
punching a Romay in the face with Mordekaiser. Like, they're not able to do that to BB up into the top lane. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I think that TL will get a really... There's a chance that TL might be the strongest LCS team. Yeah, I, th- I'm ac- I actually... Right now, let's just call it a bold prediction. TL are the strongest LCS team. How much TSM and FlyQuest have you watched? Uh, so, I, enough. I watched playoffs. Now, I didn't watch a lot of regular season. I mostly just watched playoffs. And I am not a fan. I watched Spica on set versus Graves get like three objectives completely uncontested and be even with Santorin in CS. And while there were definitely redeeming characteristics of the way that TSM were playing, I am not hot on FlyQuest right now. I will say that um, really good things for TSM fans. Uh, Bjergsen's wave management, super solid. He probably has the best wave management of any mid laner in the LCS, good. and it's why he punishes really hard. Uh, his champion pool, really big. You already kind of said it that he like dragged uh, people across the finish line. But then I'm like, you know, the uh, experience factor might come up for them. But TSM also have some new faces to the world stage. Obviously, mm-hmm. you have like your your cement and your Bjergsen and your double lift and. Some of them also have shown up at world stage, but it's not the same thing as having like a world champion as your support and core JJ or a world champion in your top lane as impact world finalist in Brock. So that roster is actually so stacked. Yeah. It's, Jensen's been a world so consistently. Oh man. It's actually crazy. Um, this is what I'll say. My predictions for this group. I'll do my app form. We'll do formal pickums later via the website or whatever, whenever those unlock. But like my formal predictions for this group is I think that fanatic and Gen G do get out, but I, this Ooh. is the group. This is the group that I am least confident. You don't believe in Genji? There, uh, the thing is, is top side of map seems really important, and yeah. I think Rascal is not the strongest top laner. Uh, Rascal's I think, quite weak, I at least amongst the LCK top laners. Clid flips a lot. Like Clid can have those games where he's absolutely just stomping on people, but he can also have those games where it just goes very, very sideways. I think Genji, um, because bot lane doesn't seem to be as much of a carry, although we are going to 5v5s. So like if Ruler actually gets to show up, like Genji are great. When Ruler gets ahead, Genji look like a completely different beast and being able to facilitate him. If we're in like a bunch of Ash, Senna, Ezreal handshakes, not saying that he can't play those champions but just that i don't really know what the group's meta is going to be and power yeah. is taken away from bot lane then unfortunately i'm really scared for genji because i really want to see ruler who in my opinion is possibly either the best or at least number two ad carry at the tournament um perform i love watching ad carries perform and yeah. I, just, I don't I mean, want it to be about topside. That, that's a good point because I really love life and I love Ruler. And their duo together just looks so, like when they get going, you're right. But that is a good point that Rascal, I mean, especially in the series versus versus DRX, did not really have his his stuff together. And Clit is definitely a flipper. BDD has his BDD moments. Certainly lives up to his name sometimes. But you're right. I, I think I'm loving the bot side a little bit too much in the context of a meta where bot side has been. I don't want to say irrelevant, but definitely not number one priority in this meta. Um, so uh, room for doubt there. I still feel like Genji can make it, but maybe that's. And I'm not predicting on LGD ever again. By the way, LG, you're like, why? But what about There's LGD? Only three teams. They in this double three out. Never again. 2015, they burned me. They they kind of burned me here by like. Watch LGD absolutely slam Fnatic and deny Fnatic the chance of getting out of groups just to be like, this is for 2015. Oh my god, what what else can they do to hurt me? How many times do I have to think that this team is going to do something and then they fail? And then when I think they're not going to do something, they do do something. It's just like they'll, it's like they live to spite people. They'll get the shockwave. Oh my god, Fnatic and TSM are in this group. LGD can get their revenge. I actually have to change my prediction. LG are getting out of this group. Oh They're my god, the 2015 revenge? They're like, <laughs> oh no. Suckers! <laughs> All right. 
I yeah okay, that's that group. You kind of restored my faith in Fnatic, which is which feels nice because I think Fnatic are a really good team in the meta. I know. I, I think I think Mad Lions falling apart kind of has sh- shaken me, and I always feel this way until I see a team actually play on stage. But I feel like I'm such a pessimist. I'm always convinced it's going to fall apart. Like I'm I'm the scared fan. I am the scared fan. It's like we're never as good as we think we are. We're never as good as we, and we're always better than I think we're going to be. So I just got to take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes you just got to believe. My concern is it's going to be the champion support pool for Fnatic. Yeah, that's fair. What can you actually get? How can you get agency? And and God forbid we ever go back to Enchanter supports. Please no. Get Hilla saying on that stuff that can roam. But Fnatic know that better than anyone. Last group. Uh, we don't have a seed here, but because we love the Unicorns of Love, and they used to play for the EU LCS, we'll give them some love too. But it is DRX, FlyQuest, Top Esports, and the Unicorns of Love. So Top Esports, making it out, most likely. Short of total collapse. I think we can say it's one safe bet. But who's number two? You doing DRX? You going your boy Deft? Huh? Deft going to make it out? No, he's got that really beautiful story of that. His, what his support was like, I will get the world championship yeah, I, cup I for you. Yeah, I will get that cup for you. He kind of laughed it off, to be fair. But yeah, if you haven't checked it out, Ashley Kang uh, over at Horizon Esports has done a number of fantastic Deft interviews. So if you are a legacy esports fan and you love Deft, check him out. If you are a new fan and you want to know about Deft, also really great opportunity to do so. That said, yeah, it's just DRX is the safe bet, but I can't... I. I'm so I, it's so hard for me to say with confidence. Like I think FlyQuest is out. I, I I've told you already. I'm not a fan. I saw saw those playoffs. Did not love FlyQuest. Um, but DRX, do they make it through? Does Unicorns of Love like upset this whole thing? Because obviously uh, the safe bet is top esports followed by DRX. Boom, I will boom. say this. Um, so I prepped really extensively because I had to do the prep document for UOL. So it wasn't just like my prep document, but it was prep document that other people were going to be reading. And I was like, I will make this as easy as possible. Um, And I had some conversations with Sheepy and Sheepy was talking about how his individual players are Grandmaster and Challenger on the Chinese Super Server and individual talent wise. And I think they really showcased that today when they 3-0'd Supermassive with compositions that frankly should not have been able to do what they were doing, that they are very mechanically gifted they are very good individual players so i think usually when people look at plans teams you're like they won't be able to press their buttons as well as the other people like this is going to be easy doesn't matter how big brain you are uh unicorns of love i think can press the buttons just as well unfortunately they're also in a group with knight oh sorry guys uh, hopefully no man's actually just i would love to see no man's solo kill night that would be one that would blow up the internet that would be insane that'd be so cool but on the other hand i'm so worried that um Knight is going to make No Man's look like what Bolulu looked like versus No Man's. And that's a big, it's a complex thing. He's going to beat him in. He's going to make him look awful. He's going to just smash him in every every lane matchup, no matter what the matchup is. That's for context. For anyone who didn't watch the games today. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad for our boy Bolulu from the TCL. Um, and yeah, I'm worried. Because... I don't think Unicorns will get out of this group, but I do think that they will decide the group. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think... There's also room for FlyQuest to throw a spanner in the works a little bit, but I, I just don't see how they get out themselves. DRX, probably safe. Uh, if you are a DRX fan, please explain to me why you think Pioshik is good. I don't understand it. We can talk more about that. Ashley was talking about how his champion pool feels really good right now. Yeah, I just don't think... And the, his laners have to play for him, and even if they do, he just power farms. Yeah, but he has Chovy. Chovy, <clears throat> absolutely, I love. I love Chovy. I love Showmaker. Death. I love Kyria. Yeah, Showmaker. Obviously. I thought we were just listing all of the. No, no, I was just listing liked. all the players on his team. It's it's actually mostly Pioshik that I do not have faith in. But admittedly, in the context of this group, he'll probably do fine. But Pioshik to me just, I don't like it. The only games I saw him do good on, he like stumbled into early kills don't we or fifty fifty jungle pathing. I, we might. We I, get to cast group. 
D, I believe. We'll announce it. I don't remember at this exact moment, so I won't pretend that I do. The producer's laughing at me, but I can't tell if it's angry laughing or... <laughs> no, it's just like, what are you doing? Why are you bringing this up? Okay, let's run through them all. One... Wait, okay, so who are your favorites to get out? I told you, top esports and top esports. Okay, and whoever else is just like the body that was Frankly, less Frankly, I don't marred. really care about Group D outside of top esports. <laughs> That's fair. All right, so let's recap for our EU fans. If you are watching at home, uh, I'm a little bit shaky here, but Frost, I'm going to use your prediction. G2 Esport, we're... Uh, <laughs> That's the, the 50-50. I think it could go either my, way. I would say Group A, my actual prediction is, is Team Liquid get out of this group. I don't know who else is walking out with them. I'll say G2. I hope it's G2, but I think Team Liquid get out of this group. Yikes. Rogue, doomed. Yeah. Sorry, Rogue. I said this on Twitter before. You took a bullet to save the rest of the European teams for it. If you rise above this challenge, that will be the coolest storyline of all time. If you knock out Damwon Gaming or JD Gaming, you are legends. Even if you get immediately 3-0'd in a quarterfinal, I do not care. You are a legend. So that is my challenge to you. The further you go, obviously, the better. I just actually have to give some analysis to Rogue not making it out. Um, And so I'm going to say three words. uh, Nuguri, uh, Zoom, and Hanabi. Take that from that what you will. A little harsh, <laughs> but yes. I don't know if Hanabi deserves to be on that list, but damn, okay, that's a condemnation of uh, of ability, I'll safely say. Woo, wow, I'm reeling from that one. Okay, last and- <laughs> That might be the meanest thing I've ever Last said. and certainly not least, and maybe certainly our best hope, it is none other than Fnatic. Fnatic, is this a, they're, I think they're making it through. I think Fnatic get out of this group. Fnatic get out of this group. Yeah. Nice. Fnatic fans, you guys, you've had a hard time. You beat G2 in a best of five, but you haven't been able to win a split in a long time. So take this. Here's the thing. Here's your, here's your point a. of solace. Team Liquid's getting out. Group B, Dan One and JDG. Group C, Fnatic. And Group D, TES. Yeah. And if you're wondering what names are missing, it's because it's so impossibly hard to predict. And we're going to have to see. Week one versus week two is always a big change. Week one coming in is a big change. So we're going to have to find out. But Fnatic fans, take solace. We have the most faith in your team at this moment to make it out of groups, which may inadvertently be a caster curse. So apologies in advance, but hopefully... Ooh, I didn't you, think about you that can take one. It as Fnatic a positive. are not getting out of the group. <laughs> Second, we're confident in them. They can't do TSM it. TSM getting out of this group. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, EU fans, that's going to do it here for us on the first Worlds episode of Euphoria. Um, For context, we're going to be back after kind of each stage. They'll be placed kind of intermittently throughout the entire tournament. Again, sporadically, sporadically, but they're not really, it's just intermittently. It's just kind of, they make sense. It's not just like completely random. Anyway, this is going to be episode one of Euphoria Worlds. Is this season seven? This is episode one of Euphoria Worlds. We'll be back for episode two after week one of groups concludes. We're going to find out how right we were, how wrong we were, and everything in between. Once again, goodbye to Mad Lions, Rogue, Fnatic, G2. You guys are up next. All the best to you. Cannot wait to see what you do on stage. Go out there and make all the EU fans proud. And wherever you're listening, thank you so much. And we will see you next week basically hashtag go rogue yeah hashtag g2 win hashtag fanatic win fnc 